So I had a nightmare last night of, you know, I'm up here and I use this iPad for my notes. And uh, I had this nightmare that I got up here and nothing would work. So you're all sitting here for like a half an hour looking at me. So I hope that's, that's not the case. But in just in case, I did bring some paper notes in case. Just, just I don't know. It was weird. I didn't sleep last night very well, so I'm not responsible for some things maybe as, as I'm a little sleep deprived. But last week we looked at what, what freedom means, a little bit of, of, of freedom, and that all of us are slaves to sin, and that all of us are sinners. And so if you're new here, I don't really see a lot of new people, but if you are new here and you expected to come to a place that didn't have any sinners in it, I'm sorry to disappoint you, because... We're all in here, and we're all sinners, and that's actually, I think, the way we like it. And uh, we looked at what freedom really means, and not the freedom that we think it means as far as living in the United States, the freedom that we get um, that we, when we receive Jesus, the freedom we get when with the, we receive the forgiveness of our sins, this freedom from sins, that we're no longer in the bondage to our sins with, with Jesus. And that means that I'm free to do whatever I want, Right? Because Jesus is going to forgive me. No, I don't think that's what that means. It, it, it means that, no, I, I'm still responsible for those sins, but I can't just do whatever I want and use that excuse. And so today I want to continue to look at this concept of freedom a little bit. I want to look at Romans 6, verses 15 through 23. If you want to just look at the screen and kind of listen along with me, begin reading. It says, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey with your heart the patterns of teaching that have, has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves of righteousness. I'm using an example for every, from everyday life because you of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you were now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, did you pick up on some words there? Slaves of righteousness. Slaves of God. Because I, I thought last week I said we were free said we were free. We have freedom. So how can I be a free and be a slave at the same time? In fact, Jim, before worship, he goes, did I hear, see that right? Read that text right? Because he's like, I, does this, you're talking about freedom, but you're talking about a slave. Well, let me explain a trip a couple, a few beginning of June when I was gone for a couple weeks. I went on a trip with my youngest son, Jackson, to go on a, to South Africa. And I, I usually do that when they, my kids graduate from high school. We go on a, a big trip like that. And when we were there, I've never been to South Africa. I didn't, 
I didn't know much about the country. I just expected to be like any other country in Africa when I got off, got there, is that I would be in the minority and it would be, you know, predominantly black. And every place I go, there would, that's, that's what it would be like. But when I got off in South Africa, it was, it was noticeably different, completely different. There was, I was still the minority, pr probably population-wise, but it was very obvious that, that white people still controlled the nation, that all the bosses, all the, all the people that owned businesses were predominantly white. In fact, I didn't see one worker that was not white, that was not a supervisor or a boss. And if you know much about South Africa, South Africa was, I think it was originally by Portugal is, is who originally landed there, and then it was the Dutch, and then it was the British. And then there's Nelson Mandela. Do you know who Nelson Mandela? He became president of South Africa and ended the apartheid, which the apartheid is, it means separation. They, they separated the white people from the black people. And so this was in, I think, the 90s, so it's not that long ago. But when I went there, you, it was Jackson, in fact, this is even the words Jackson said to me. He goes, Dad, do you remember that movie that we watched? We watched, and it was about these maids, and the movie was called The Help. I don't know if some of you have watched that, but it, I think it was based in like the 40s or 50s. And he goes, it's just like that. And when he said that, I, I thought about it, and we went with the, the guy we were with. He had two helpers, and they were both black. And anything he said to them, he's, they go, yes, master, yes, master. And, I, and it was uncomfortable. Because here is everybody's supposed to be free there. But yet, I'm there, and it looks like there is not freedom there. I'm free, but I'm not free. And that's kind of what I'm talking about is here is that we're slaves whether we choose Jesus or not. We're slaves to sin or we're slaves to Christ. We're slaves either way. And now that I it got really quiet in this room, now that I have your attention, I want to I give you this, this explanation of, of slavery, of human slavery that I, that I ran across. And, and listen to this. It says, in terms of human slavery, we know that slaves are chosen, purchased, owned, Subject to their master's will, totally dependent on their masters for sustenance, accountable, evaluated, and rewarded or punished by their masters. That doesn't sound like freedom, does it? It doesn't sound like a lot of freedom. But yet I'm supposed to be free in, in Christ, free in, in Jesus. Now, slavery, I think all of us in this room, or at least I hope so, we can agree that that is just, it's wrong. It's unethical. It's just, it, it's just not something that, that really it should be practiced. But I think slavery itself, if you think, I think it's been around since as long as humans have been around, as long as we've been on this earth, as long as God has created us, that we find reference after reference in the Bible and other writings that, that there is slavery throughout history. That's, that's what we've seen throughout history. It's, it's part of our culture, part of our lives. But yet, as I was looking at this concept of freedom, and I was reading through these things, and, and reading these, these what, the writings of Paul, and then even the things that Jesus said, it just, I became perplexed a little bit. Kind of like maybe you're a little bit perplexed now. Of, of what, what does this all mean? What's this concept? That how can we be free, and how can we be a slave at the same time? And do I really want to be a slave? That's what slavery means. Do I really want to be a slave? And I thought I had a choice. 
I thought I had a choice. I thought I had free will. Because isn't that what freedom's all about? It's being able to be, be free and doing what I want to do, having my choice. So we're going to look at some of those questions today. And I want to reread that definition I just gave you of human slavery, just to keep that in the back of your mind. Keep that in your mind a little bit. In terms of human slavery, we know that slaves are chosen, purchased, owned, subject to their master's will, totally dependent on their masters for sustenance, accountable, evaluated, and rewarded or punished by their masters. Now, in the, in the Bible, Jesus had a habit, or he, he just redefined things throughout thing, history. In the Bible, he would add something to it, or he would kind of give it a little twist. And this writing in Paul, Paul wrote the letter to Romans, and maybe this, uh, Jesus is, is, maybe he's adding something to this or redefining this, this word a little bit. So the first point I want to make is who bought me? Because that's part of our defini definition is you were bought. So who bought me? Now, we, we're smart people to know in here that if, if I'm a slave to God, that's what Romans is telling me, that we become a slave to God, that obviously God must have chosen me and he must have purchased me. Now, I just think about that for a minute. That God chose me. God chose me out of all the people. He chose me. And he chose you. He chose you. He chose you. He chose everybody in this room. God chose every single one of us. And that's, that's humbling to me. That God would choose me that regardless of my faults. Kim's not here this morning, but let me tell you, she could give you a list of faults if, if you want it. I'm sure she would be happy to give that to you. But God sees things in me, in all of us, that's worth choosing. Worth choosing to be called one of his own. Worth choosing to welcome me into his household. And God sees that in all of us, with that we're all worthy to be chosen. I want to look at some words out of Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. And they're not going to be on the screen. I just want you to listen to them. Maybe even close your eyes. Let them... Let them just sink into you. Let them just, just let God reveal something to you. These are, this is what it says, starting in verse 13. You made, me, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your, your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. God knows us. Those moments, there's moments in our lives, my life, that we're, we feel alone. Maybe we feel unworthy. Maybe just undeserving, unvalued, hopeless. Just remember these words that God knew us before we were born and that God made us wonderful. He made you wonderful. Because God doesn't make unworthy, undeserving people without hope, unvalued people. All of us have value and God choose, chose us all because we're that valuable to us, to him. That's why God knows you. Now the second part of this question is if, if God chose us, then who bought us? The Bible gives us some answers on that. Look at this out of 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit 
who lives in you and has given, was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. God bought us. It was a high price. It costs God something for us to be slaves to God. So what was that price? Many of us know the answer. Jesus gives us the answer. Matthew 20, 38 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus' Jesus's life was that price. God gave us his son, and he watched his only son die on the cross to pay that price for us, to purchase our sins, to take our sins, to give us forgiveness and give us freedom from, this, from sins, and provide us a way to be God's slave. I want to share another verse with you before we move on. This comes out of Revelation, Revelation 5, 9. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you are were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. We all have already been bought and paid for. Our freedom's already been paid for. The blood of Jesus paid the price for all of us. Every single one of us. Remember the story about South Africa. Supposedly everyone's now free, but it really doesn't appear to be freedom. But when Jesus, we can experience that true freedom. Freedom from our sin in our lives. And it, it doesn't really matter who you are. This book, this the passage in Revelation, Revelation tells us it's every tribe, it's every people, it's every nation, that Jesus paid the price for every single one of us. I'm going to get a little bit off track here. We're going to be a little bit on, on track, but a little bit off. But I want to emphasize that God chose all of us to be worthy. Every single one, have, having Jesus give his life to us to pay the price for us. That means if you live in Billings, Montana, that means if you live on the Crow Reservation or any reservation, that means if you live on the south side, that means if you live in a drug house down the street, that means if you live in countries like Iran or North Korea or China or wherever it is, regardless of where you live, Jesus paid the price for you. He bought you with his blood. Doesn't matter what you look like, how you dress. It doesn't matter what color your skin is, what your body type looks like. It doesn't even matter what your sexual orientation you are. It doesn't matter what religion you are. It doesn't matter if you have tattoos, which I do have some, and you don't, none of you don't know that, but I do. If you listen to certain kind of music, it doesn't matter. I think you get the idea of what I'm talking about. There's so many things in this world that, that people say or that assumptions that are people made that people don't feel accepted. They don't feel accepted because I'm not like anybody else. Things that are said making people feel like, you know what, Jesus isn't for me. God would never love me. Or those people that love Jesus, that love God, they hate me. They don't like me. And then leaving those people to feel alone. Leaving them maybe angry at us, afraid, unworthy, unacceptable. Now there's some things I said in there. I don't want you to draw conclusions in that. Because I, I believe in what the Bible says. I believe the Bible is absolute truth. I believe in, in the biblical form of marriage. But everybody, God, Jesus died for everybody. He died for every one of us. All of us have been bought and purchased by God. 
Jesus bought every one of us with his blood on the cross. Because Jesus is for everyone. His death on the cross was for everyone. There's no exceptions. And that's, I got to say this about the, this church. This is something, I'm, I'm giving you guys kudos right here. Because that's why I love this church so much, is because I look around and I see us all as a big family. It doesn't matter what your appearance is. It doesn't matter what your background is. That we just love you and accept you as you are. And for that, I, I just, I want to I applaud you guys. That's, that's, that's why I love this church. Now, I just opened kind of a big can of worms there, and I'm going to kind of leave it right there. Just let it sit there for a while. We, we future, we'll probably address some of this a little bit later. But I want to re- repeat verse 14 in Psalm 139. It says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Just know that each and every one of us here and in this room and outside, we're all wonderfully made. Okay, so are you still with me on this? Now, I, I told you last week that soapbox preaching is, is a little bit in my family. And so I'm going to get off my soapbox now. We're going to go on, and I want to look back at this passage in Romans. Specifically, I want to look at verse 16 and 19. That if, if, if we're a slave and chosen and we're bought with a price, what choice do I really have in this matter? So remember, I talk about free will. We have a choice. How, how can I make an offer if I'm a slave? And does a slave have an ability to offer anything? Now let's look at these passages. Let's look at verse 16 again. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. Then ask this question, does freedom really exist? Because I'm a slave either way, right? That's what I read here. I'm a slave either, either way. So I think the question maybe becomes, which master do you want? Now I asked Allie for a picture here, and I'm not sure what she put in here um, to, to kind of give us what this, the, what this means. And so I don't know why she picked this picture, but go ahead and do the next one. So this is, this is kind of what it's like, isn't it? There, you know, the, you see that cartoon all the time, that there's the devil on one side and angel on one side, and, and they're both telling you to do something. You know one's right, one is wrong. So which voice are you going to listen to? Which voice are you going to listen to? Now, analogy I, t- I saw to this is when you, especially at this time and age, I mean, there's people who are buying and selling houses all over the place. And so when you buy a house, when you decide to buy a house, you have to put an offer in, right? You have to put an offer into the seller. And the seller has the choice of accepting our offer or rejecting it. But in this case, the seller... The sellers, either seller is going to accept our offer. The thing is, is one seller is going to lead to death and the other seller is going to lead to life. And the offer that I'm going to make, the offer that I'm going to make to this seller is, it's my life. I'm offering my life to one or the other. Now, when we choose a house that we're going to buy, that we're going to put an offer in, 
we look at things like how big the house is, how many bedrooms it has, how many bathrooms it has, how big a garage it has, how big a lot it has, all of those things, what location the house is in, that this is where we have a choice. We have the choice to which one we want to purchase, which one we want to put the offer into, that, that we wanna, want to give our life to. Kind of like our life. Don't we have a choice of what we choose is beneficial and what's not beneficial, things that are harmful to us, not harmful to us, things that we know give us life, things that give us death? Now, I want to make a, just a little clarification in here. I know that many of us have had many traumatic experiences happen to us. We didn't have a choice in that matter. Those choices were made by somebody else. And for those things, I... I feel pain for you. I hurt for you. Jesus hurts for you. And, and those are just awful things. But that's not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the things that we get to choose, that we're in control of. Many of you, you know, cell phones and emails today, you know, you have your emails and texts on there. And, and I'll probably, I, I, maybe females get this too, but at least I get this all the time. I get these weird texts or these weird emails like, I, want some I have some pictures I want to show you, and I'm like, well, who the heck are you? And I know if you click on that, well, you know what's going to come up, right? It's not going to be somebody you know. It's going to be pornography or something like that. So you have the choice. Do I click on that or not click on that? Or there's that person that cuts in line. You've been waiting there for two hours, three hours, and they cut in line, and they just go, and you're mad. So you go up and confront them and get in a big fight and get throw punches and have assault charges and then you totally lose your freedom because you're in jail again now here's a big one too i'm a teenager i'm a young my parents are out of town i got a couple choices to make don't i can have a party or maybe i can have my boyfriend or girlfriend come over we have choices to make that's what i'm talking about which master do we want which one do we want now, when our offer is accepted by the seller, we're bound by that, aren't we? When you buy a house and you sign all the paperwork, you enter into that agreement, you're bound by that. So you better be sure if you're willing to pay that price. Are you willing to pay that price? Now, there's a commercial. Many of you guys have probably seen it. Have you seen that Rocket commercial, Rocket Mortgage commercial, when... Um, there's, a, there's a, a family that's buying a house, and one of them says, can we afford this house? And the, the other, I think the dad says, I'm pretty sure we can. And then a comedian, Tracy Morgan, pops up out of nowhere and goes, pretty sure, pretty sure isn't something you want to be in the house. You want to be certain. And then he takes him through this. They, they have a scene where they're in the forest, and there's these mushrooms, and he's holding a mushroom, and he says, I'm, I'm pretty sure this isn't poisonous. And then they take it, and they all die, and... There's other things, and they're jumping out of an airplane. So they're all jumping out of the airplane, and, and he, he's handing them parachutes, and he goes, I'm pretty sure these are parachutes as they're jumping out the window. And then there's a couple other things. Then the last one is, is they're going over a drawbridge, and he accelerates on the gas, and they jump over, and he goes, I'm pretty sure we can make that. And you can obviously tell they're not going to make it. But my point is, is that when you want to be certain that you can afford the house. That's what his point is. You want to be certain that you can afford, that you can buy that house that you want. You're pretty sure doesn't guarantee anything. So are you pretty sure which master you want to follow? Are you pretty sure? 
and what the outcome will be? Or would you rather be certain? Would you rather be certain? Now, you can be certain that if you off make an ad offer to be a slave to sin, that you're going to receive death. There's lots of references throughout the Bible that tells us that. In fact, Romans, this, this passage in Romans tells us several times that being a slave to death, slave to sin leads to death. Spiritual death that keeps us in bondage, separated from God. Now, there's a story in Luke 16. You guys will recognize this story. We're given the story of a rich man that, that offered his, I think he offered his life up to the, to the master of death, the master that leads to death. Now, this rich man, he, he lived really the life that he wanted to live. He indulged himself in whatever he wanted. And, and maybe he had lots of things. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he just thought he was rich. But whatever it was, is he did what he wanted to do. Lived life the way he wanted, according to his own rules. Following the freedom that he thought he had with his money or his possessions or his time. I used to, I, I, I can relate to some of that. Early in my life, I did what I wanted to do. Made my life up kind of following this, this seller of death was, was, was trying to give me. Which, this is where the rich man ended up. He ended up dead. He ended up dead. And the story tells us that he was in hell and he was in torment. Then this man looked up to heaven and he saw this poor man. This poor man named Lazarus. Lazarus was up there with Abraham and, and ultimately uh, he was up there with God. And, and Lazarus, Lazarus was up there because he chose to offer his life to the seller of life, who was God. Now, this is what the story tells us. These are the words that are out of the Bible. It says, the man that was in torment, the rich man, said these words to Abraham. Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. This is Abraham's response to him. It says, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. Besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. So you can be certain of this. If you choose this seller of death, you're certain to have this life separated from God, separated from God, separated from his blessings forever, for eternity, long after your human body is dead. So unless we choose to be free, we choose freedom. And by choosing freedom, we become slaves to righteousness, which being slaves to righteousness makes our relationship with God restored. A slave that becomes a slave to God and that provides us freedom by being a slave to God. So at that point, we're certain, we're certain that we receive life, eternal life with God, God our Father. And the thing is, is I get to choose. I get to choose. Many of, us, many of us have already made that decision. We know what master we follow. Some of us, maybe you're, we know we're following the wrong master. And we know that it's going lead to lead to death. Others are not. We, we know which master we're following. It's going to lead to life. Hopefully all of us know some people that are not following the, the, the right master, that are following the wrong master, and we can look at their lives and, and see that, and we want them to follow the master that we do. But those following the wrong master, can, they can be certain of something. They can be certain that this life is going to lead to death. 
death that, that when our physical body is gone, our spiritual body is forever dead in agony and torment. That doesn't exactly sound like freedom, does it? And we, we may have thought we had freedom when we lived here on earth, living according to how I wanted to live, living according to the definition of freedom that I had. But in reality, we were already dead by living that, living that freedom. Some of us might be pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I'm going to go to heaven. You know, we kind of go back and forth, following this master, following this master, trying to live a good life. And we're like, yeah, my life's pretty good. I live a pretty good life. I'm pretty nice to people most of the time. I love people most of the time. I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I'm good enough to go to heaven. Well, this is what the Bible says about pretty sure. Matthew 7, 21 through 23 tells us, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Pretty sure it doesn't seem like it's going to cut it, does it? Pretty sure isn't going to do it. So are you willing to be pretty sure? Or do you want to be certain? Do you want to be certain by making the offer of your life to God? God's already accepted our offer. But he's, God's waiting for us to make it. He's waiting for us to make that offer. This offer that's it's going to cost us everything. But in some ways, we don't have to pay anything. Because Jesus has already paid the price. He's already done that. He's already forgave us. We just need to accept it. We need to offer, make that offer to accept it. The only thing he asks for is our life. This life of being a slave. A slave to God. So freedom... It's not being able to do whatever I want to do. I am free only when I offer myself to God. I choose God to be my master, and I receive the freedom that Jesus gave us on the cross. That Jesus has bought and paid for all of us. And that choice is ours. Because we're slaves either way. Slaves either way. We can be a slave to death or a slave to life. And I don't want anybody to be pretty sure. I want everyone to be certain. Certain of their eternity, certain of their freedom, certain of their freedom that they have in Jesus. I'm just going to look at Romans 6, 22 through 23 to end. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So don't be pretty sure. Be certain. Choose life and make that offer to God. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you're a a master that gives life. Lord, that you, we can have freedom in you, but yet we, it's it's just this interesting, perplexing thing of being free but being a slave. Lord, I just thank you that, that, that you are such a loving God and that you've made us all wonderful and that we are so valuable to you, that you sent your son to, to purchase us, Lord, to, to pay the price for our sins. Lord, you didn't have to do that, but you did because we are so wonderful to you and you love us so much. Lord, 
I, I just pray, Lord, that as many of us in this room, Lord, we, we, we already have you as our master. We already believe in you. We've already accepted that, that Jesus died for us, and we've offered our lives to you. And so I just pray that, that those of us that we know people in our lives, Lord, that they haven't done that, that we become bold enough to, to just share your love with them, to, to, to just, Lord, bring people back to you, let people realize how wonderful that you are, they are to you. And for some of us in this room, maybe you've never offered your life to God, and you want to today. You want to say, I want freedom. I want this freedom that Jesus bought for us by his death on the cross, forgiving my sins, taking my sins upon him so I can be restored to that relationship with God. If that's you, you want to just raise your hand and look at me and say, say yes, I, I want that today. I want that freedom. Lord, thank you for everybody in this room. Thank you for the freedom that we enjoy. In your name we pray. Amen.